welcome to the Fire Officer Project Podcast, a show where we will discuss and learn together about topics specific to the American Fire Service. Come along as we explore areas such as firehouse traditions and culture, the fire family life, leadership, as well as getting yourself ready to be the company officer. This show is for everyone from the rookie firefighter to newly promoted officers. I'm your host, Mark McCurdy. Now let's get on with the show. All right, welcome back to the Fire Officer Project. It's been a minute, a long minute, like three months. Now that I look at the last time I put something out, and I wonder why every once in a while I get messages asking people or people asking if I fell off the face of the earth or any more content coming out. But I'll explain as I go in this one. And uh, as you see by the title, Work-Life Balance, that's what we're going to talk about. So maybe it's not super interesting to you, but uh, it's something that I experienced over the past few months. I just wanted to put some notes down and kind of switch gears a little bit with just tactics and operations and trying to talk leadership and stuff all the time, which can kind of get white noise since there's, I don't know, it seems like there's more of it coming out, which is good because difference of opinions and almost when you look at and listen, I listen to all kinds of podcasts. So when I listen to things, uh, you know, the content's kind of the same, just delivered differently and people connect differently with different people as far as voice and tone and personality and things like that. So. It's all good stuff. So I wanted to talk about work-life balance today just because it's end of summer. Kids have just gone back to school, at least where I live in Southern California. They just started on Tuesday. Uh, So yesterday was their first day. Two months. So we had two months off and prior to that had some time off. So I'm just going to talk about some things that have been going on the past few months and then it will reflect on the fire service. It's not just a blog about my life. That's not what I do here. But uh, it's not your normal operations or how to get ready to be a company officer type thing, although there will be some nuggets that uh, bleed into that. And then sometimes, even though I have the notes pre-scripted out, I kind of go off on a tangent anyway of certain things. So we'll see where we go. Anyways, finally back at it. Let me just get into it before telling you everything that's been happening. I'll just divulge that as I go through instead of having a recap for the past three months, which nobody wants to hear. And then they're trying to fast forward and get to what I'm actually want to talk about. So, <clears throat> so what's going on going on? So last episode I had, well, I think it was in April, went on vacation beginning of June. Right before going on vacation, we had a good amount of um, promotions going to go on for a captain. And so uh, I think the list had over 50 people. Pretty much all of them got picked up in two separate waves. And what's my point is, is I take the captain's list for our department specifically, and I'll email people that are on the list waiting to get promoted. And I'll tell them, if you're interested, I have a one-day class where you can come and ask any question you want. Uh, We'll go over some operations, some things that you need to be ready for, stuff that you, if you look at my earlier content, that's kind of where I started with this. And then the podcast became something that developed uh, just a few years ago. But I've actually been putting out this content four or five years and teaching these classes and trying to get people prepped. Well, over those four or five years, I've learned to scale it back. So I had class, sent out 50 something emails. I was very, very humbled to have 30 people show up to this class. Like just people that don't know me, some that do, they just went off on a whim on an email of a guy who says, Hey, I'm here to help you for one day and we'll go over some stuff. Well, every time I do those classes, it's pretty much a PowerPoint with videos and ability for them to talk and ask questions, but it's, I have it pretty structured. And every time I've done it, I've, I've chopped off a little bit more, but I send it to them ahead of class, things that I can take out that aren't that need to be brought up but not critical in that classroom to eat up the physical time of being there. So I'm starting to polish it again and send them out stuff by email, sheets and things and lists of stuff that they should review or a goal for day one at the captain's academy and then day one as a captain where they should already be at. Because as an example, I have in there how to put people on duty, how to pay them, how to do all that stuff. Well, if you're already on the list and you're just about to be promoted, which is pretty much when I do this class, because two things happen. One, I've sent this out before when the test just happens. Case in point again, we just had another written test last week. If I send out an email right now and ask people, hey, come to this class. I got crickets. I, I've done this. 
and this is what I figured out, crickets, because nobody knows if they pass, number one. Nobody knows if they're going to pass the appraisal promotability packet, their interview, all that stuff. So they're not going to put in the effort until they know for sure, basically, right, until our feet are held to the fire. I get it. So when I needed to massage that and work around. So that's what I'm waiting for. But right now what I'm doing is I'm putting together the stuff that I can pre-send to people. Take that out of the physical classroom. Expand more on operations and leadership. That's pretty much the class. Make it about a six-hour to eight-hour class one day, and then boom, try to help people just to push it out there. So I did that early June, then went on vacation for about three weeks. Uh, took the family. We had this big trip planned for eight months to go to Yellowstone, which was awesome. Took motorhome, family, went with my in-laws. It was great. We took three or four days to get up there, taking our time. We live in Southern California, so take three or four days to just cruise going through Utah and and up to Idaho and then over to Yellowstone for days, which was awesome, and then kind of worked our way back. Uh, came home for a few days, and then we headed out again on another camping trip. This one involved a big softball tournament, so it kind of just changed venues, changed the group of people we were with, which was awesome too. And then home, and then right back to work. But in that trip, I learned a few things that I can help myself and maybe this will help you when I bring it up on the actual work-life balance of trying to be a firefighter. And if you're in that realm, which I know this audience is wide, so maybe you're just starting out, maybe you don't have a family, maybe you're near retirement, whatever it may be. However, it affects you being home and being at work, two different things. So if you have a family and you're way in the deep in the trenches with family stuff, that's kind of where I'm at now but it's not like I forgot what it was like to be a single firefighter. And I still have my friends and my family to balance. So you should be able to pick up a few things out of this. Uh, Or maybe it's just me who is a nut job and I'm just talking and nobody else has this issue, but I'm going to say it's pretty common because I've asked people. So right now, August, it's uh, early August still. Firewise for Southern California, I've had a few brush fires uh, it's, it's been hot. We've had like heat trends and stuff like that. One day I was working, we had four separate starts. We got on one that was small. Next one, middle of the afternoon, took us all the way to the end of the next shift. Just some structured offense, some other things working with, um, initial action and mutual or mutual automatic, whatever you want to say. Aid with the forest service. It was a good, it was a good one, but um, and then a couple of other fires broke out at the same time at the same day in our same area. It's just the way it is right now, summertime. Now we have a little bit of a lull, but constantly we're always getting ready and learning, right? It doesn't matter if it's a brush fire, a structure fire, whatever specific areas that you have for the department that you work for, insert whatever uh, incident type that you're most commonly go on. But for us, Southern California, this time of year, bleeding into the fall when the Santa Ana winds come, it's like peak brush season. Even though it doesn't really matter what time of year we seem to get brush fires, this is just the spotlight time of when most of them happen. So right now we're just working on getting our tactics down, you know, and practicing and always just making sure and going over it, but not forgetting all the other stuff we have to do, the regular structure firefighting and EMT and all that stuff. So uh, everybody's kind of anticipating that. The engine that I'm on is a strike team engine as well, so we can go anywhere in the county, outside of the county. We also bank it by uh, priorities, first, second, and third priority. So I'm on a third priority strike team. Pretty much the times I've gone out on these type strike teams are major incidents uh, where pretty much everybody's either on the fire, whether it's in county or out of county for us, or you're at work backfilling all the other spots. So that's kind of like how mine works. But for the daily for us in my battalion where I work here in Santa Clarita, we have a pretty good opportunity of being initial action on brush fires. So that's why we focus on that a lot, which we're dotted by interface, intermix of houses just right up against the brush. So it's a constant thing, which some people like and some people hate. But if you work for LA County, chances are you're going to be on a brush fire somewhere. It's very hard to work in an area and avoid them, although some people have just because it's not their forte. And I'm not saying it's mine. 
but it has become an interesting component because it is such a big one, especially if you're going to promote and be a company officer. Because once you start promoting, and this may be similar to your department, you kind of lose control initially of where you where the vacancies are, where you can be put. So you might have spent your whole career, I'm not saying you're dodging it, but as an example, maybe you're just, it's just not your thing. And so you kind of just bid places you didn't have it or you didn't have that opportunity. And now, whether it's a brush fire or high rise or whatever it may be for whatever department you work for, you may get put into an area where you don't know that expertise. And I've talked about this in other episodes, so it's not really necessarily the work-life balance. I'm just, after three months off of not doing this, I need to get back into the rhythm of staying focused. So my point is constant preparation. You're going to get in those spots, right? So then now your stress at work increases. Now, does that drag home? I'm going to say yes, because I'm pretty aware of it and I don't have the good on off switch yet. And I'll talk about something that was brought up to me recently about how to control that or at least make yourself aware of it and how to switch gears before walking into the front door after being at work. So we'll talk about that. Uh, so anyways, that's what we've been working on, just kind of getting ready for those things, waiting, right? So is there going to be a big conflagration somewhere where we're going to be going out on strike teams or are we going to just be dealing with stuff in county? It's all good stuff. But <clears throat> I have noticed when we don't get fires, and you guys probably have heard this too. When it's there's a lull in fires, structures, brush, wherever you work, when there's a lull as a firefighter, when there's a lull, it almost seems like people get pissier with each other around the station. And then you get a fire or a couple in a row and you have a little run streak where everybody's kind of getting little fires here or there. And maybe you're getting some good ones spread amongst all the shifts. It seems like the morale and everything goes up. And then it kind of comes back down when... There isn't because we just get pissy about little things that don't really matter. It's just funny how that works. Like, as much as we love being firemen, we need the fires to go on because it helps with our mentality, helps with the station vibe. Meh, maybe I'm making that up, but it always seems when I bring that up to people, they're like, yeah, that's right. That's what we need. We need a fire. Now, do we want people's stuff to get destroyed and things? No, of course not. But we are here for a reason. So when it happens, one helps... um, show off our skills that we've gotten ready for, helps to hone them, and then it kind of validates what we all signed up for. So I kind of look at it like that. And then it's a balance, right? So uh, I don't want to go there yet. Let me look, let me stay on point with my list and then talk about things. So most importantly, like I said, kids are back in school now. My sixth grader is now in seventh grade. So middle school, uh, it's a whole new venture for us. You know, I had to have the drug talk the other day. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We're already at this point. I have two girls. One's 10, one's 12. I'm like, well, that's, unfortunately, if you're in this business, we see behind the curtain, right? It's not all sunshines, rainbows, and Disneyland. And we see a lot more shit than most people. And then it can jade us, right? So when you come home and your stress level is up because as a family man, or woman, doesn't matter, whatever, as a family person, when you have kids, it changes everything tremendously. And you constantly want to protect your kids, right? Because you see some bad crap at home. And wherever that works with your significant other or spouse or friends or however you deal with it, whether you tell people stories that go on at work or you don't because you're just at that point or maybe your partner in life doesn't want to hear it or you kind of have figured out when to say things and when not, that, that stuff can add up, right? That stress can add up and then you get that work-life balance. It's just like it bleeds over and you can't turn it off and then you're an asshole at home. And I'm going to talk about all that stuff just based on my experience, but also I ask people a lot about this type question. So how do they deal with it? Uh, let me see here, staying on point. So being a firefighter and a family person, like I said, it's constant stress, right? So whether you acknowledge it or not or realize it or not, you're under some kind of stress at all times, especially at work. And I'm going to talk about this phenomenon of this constant ready state that we're always in at work and what that actually is doing to your body. I'll save that for a second, but I have it highlighted. Don't worry. I won't forget. 
I know there's times where I probably said things and you're like, well, I never got to that point, but I have it all written down now. I'm dealing with this constant feeling of a threat that creeps in. And to be transparent, I decided it's time to go talk to somebody and work through some things. I've had some experiences like all of you, and I don't need the whole woe is me and feel bad because my experience in life and calls I've been on, what I've had to deal with, and I'm sure you have to deal with the same thing. And maybe one day we can sit down and meet up and have a beer and talk about those things, but everybody has them, right? It's You have those calls. You do this job long enough, you're going to have something. And it may not be the ones that make the news and make this big national thing or do whatever. It's these small ones that people don't know. Doesn't even make a blip in the newspaper. Doesn't make a, what the hell is a newspaper? Doesn't make a blip anywhere, but it grinds you constantly and it just doesn't go away. Okay, so... Two things happened that that helped me realize I needed to not constantly be at a place where I was getting my ass kicked and coming home a zombie. And then I had to find a way to get it out and talk to people. And I had two ways of doing it. One is talking to my buddy who's a fireman too, but we've been explorers together since we were 16. He works for a different department out here. And then, but we live close to each other. We've pretty much grew up together since we were 15, 16 years old, both firemen. So we have garage beers. Our schedules don't always line up. So it's not a perfect science as far as, hey, every Wednesday or once a month. It just depends on what's going on. But I have garage beers to basically vent and let all the shit out. I need to. But that doesn't always happen. So it's not reliable. Can you do that with your significant other or spouse? Yeah, maybe. But then you're dumping your crap on them too. So I said, you know what? We have this great insurance. I'm going to talk to a therapist and see what I can do to make myself better. Because the last thing I want is, you never know, right? Like, I just turned 48, hypervigilant now, which I always was, about my surroundings and everything, but about just not waking up one day. And you never know when the last day is. I try to live every day, right? Everybody tries to say that. Live the last, live like this is your last day. Well, that sounds great, but you do have other shit you have to do. And then you can't always make that work. But if you were to leave today based on some tragic event or you just didn't wake up tomorrow, did you do what you wanted to do? I don't know. I don't think we'll ever accomplish that, right? You're going to be on your deathbed and you're going to try to accomplish everything you wanted to do. Hell no. I don't think that's reality. I think we constantly need to be worked towards that. But I don't need to get all philosophical on you. Uh, anyways, so that's what I've been doing, right? I've been punching through, just trying to talk and figure it out and explaining things to my wife when I come home. She'll ask, like, what did you talk about? I'll give her a few points just to let her know, like, hey, I'm actually working on it. I'm actually going and seeing somebody. I'm not just leaving the house for an hour and go sit in a parking lot somewhere. And we kind of, it's helped talk through some things, which is good. And then let's see. Uh, where am I at here? So I also have one more thing that I've done to myself, which is working close to home. I have the fortunate opportunity to work. The department I work in covers the area I live. Technically, if I wanted to, I could bid the station. I could walk to this fire station that's close to my house. Now, I know other agencies have that. Other, Some of you have that opportunity, which is cool. There's something to be said for that. It's pretty nice. You get to be in your own area, know what's going on, doing all that. But the huge risk is you're that close to home. It was easier for a while when I didn't work close to home. And your chances of going on people you know, uh, seeing those people outside of work, you know, at the grocery store or whatever is kind of different. It doesn't happen all the time. But that's kind of a, a risk to working close to home. But it was also a calculated risk because for this reason, my oldest is starting middle school. I want to see behind the curtain. I don't want to be head in the sand and be like, oh, it's fantasy land where I live and everything's great and perfect and nothing will ever happen. You kind of see behind the curtain and you realize, well, you know what? We got problems just like everywhere else. How can I stay on top of it as best I can and protect my family as best that I can? 
I know it's not going to be 100% and stuff's going to happen, obviously, because we've all made it this far in life. We've made mistakes. We have things that we regret. I constantly have in my head, which will never happen, but could you imagine, could you imagine taking this experience and knowledge and everything that you have in your head and starting over? Say like just getting out of high school or even say junior, senior year of high school with the knowledge you have now, shit, we'd all be millionaires. We'd have everything squared away. You'd have multiple rental properties and this and that. And you'd still probably be a firefighter because I think that's innate in some things. But can you imagine if you did it differently? Anyways, stuff that pops into my head at three in the morning when I can't go back to sleep after getting up on a run. Eh, whatever. So that's the constant balance that you're trying to struggle with and and some of those things where your work life, working close to home, you know, kids are growing up, time's not stopping. Uh, until we can figure out a way to stop time or go back. I don't know. It's the constant. Everything keeps moving. So you have to get better. And this past year has freaking sucked. Just last couple of weeks ago was the anniversary of my mom's death. This past year has freaking sucked. Like I've tried to fight through just not being sad. I mean, that's honestly, I'm not going to dance around it. it. It sucks. And for anybody that's lost somebody close, mom, friend, it doesn't matter, right? You know how that important that person was to you. It blows, man. I mean, it sucks. And there's times I ride that roller coaster of sad, pissed off because I go on some shit bird that it's like, why? And this isn't right. I'm talking openly here, but you get upset because you're looking at somebody that basically doesn't even try to help themselves and they're still living. So you get pissed off about it, but you can't let it destroy you. You just can't stay in the funk. It just sucks, but it's not going to go away, right? It's it's gotten a little better, but it's never going to go away. I think talking about it and helping is going to get that through. So my biggest point so far is pay attention to what's going on in life. I think there's so much advice and we're so in tune with hearing people and being motivated. Like if you're listening to something like this, you're one of those people that are trying to get better, whether it's just about firefighting life. And then when you get in that realm, it seems like when you start looking at stuff like that on Instagram, Facebook, that's all that comes toward you anyway. So you're already kind of in that mindset. It's just transferring it to actually executing it and doing all those things and appropriately where they fit for you. Uh, let's see. So constant ready state. What is that like? I noticed recently, like I remember as a new firefighter, I had a captain who was near the end of his career, 30 years. And every time we got a call, it didn't matter if it was one in the afternoon or one in the morning, he'd be pissed. Kick the door and you're like, ah, Scared the shit out of you, right? When you get out of bed, you'd be pissed that we were going on a call. I'm like, dude, what? I'm still on the high of just getting hired, which is a tremendous feat in itself, especially in California or wherever, right? It's not the easiest to get on the fire service. And I'm like, God damn, I don't want to be this guy, you know, ever, let alone near the end of my career. I'm like, what is it? What What's with this guy? Like, why is he always pissed? And you probably have that person that pops into your head now because you've seen that. Now, I never asked him, like, what's the deal? Because it wasn't my place to. I was new at my department there. Uh, I see it occasionally in my current department, but not nuts. So maybe maybe that one person isn't the greatest example. But, you know, how many times have you were, like, waiting for your relief to get there and you, like, got something to do that morning and then you're, like, praying that nobody, that nobody calls and then you get a run. You're like, God damn. You're, like, pissed because you're going to be late and you got to get on the run and there's no way to have somebody hold over for you or whatever it may be, right? You just get ramped up and you're trying to fight and like, hurry up, let's go. I got to get home. I got to get home. I got to get my relief. Now, if you're running that, burning that candle at both ends all the time, then that's going to be tough because you're going to end up losing more significantly. But for the most part, I think our morning's kind of controlled and then we get out of there and we move on. But as far as being at work and being under this constant state of readiness, I started realizing that I feel like as soon as you walk in the door, if you work at a busy house, you've had this experience. You can't even walk in the door, put your bag down, get a cup of coffee, and boom, you get a run. It's the quick shuffle of everybody, one person getting their gear off, you jumping on, and then 
it's like your foot's on the gas the whole time. You may not come back till lunchtime. And you're like, God, I still have my street clothes on, my shorts. I got my turnout pants on all over my jacket, whatever it is. You know, however it works for your department, that happens, right? You have those days. But then on other days, even when I have slower days, you almost get into where you're just waiting for the bell to go off. And there's a small, it feels like, like a small constant. It's not anxiety, but maybe just stress because you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for a run. And of course, it never comes at the opportune time. You have a slow day. You're getting all your stuff done that you need to be doing. And then as soon as you sit down for chow, right, the bell goes off. And you're like, God, in your head, you're like, are you freaking kidding me? Or the shower. We're trying to take a dump. You're like, give me a break. Why is this? Why is this happening right now? Well, what did we expect when we came to work? I have an engineer at work that cracks me up every time he tells people like, yeah, what were you expecting when we got a fire call? That there wasn't fire? If you come around the corner and there's fire, didn't you expect that? I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I like it. It's just funny. He's like, likes to use that analogy to people as far as being ready all the time, thinking through what you're doing before you step off the rig. He's like, it shouldn't be the opposite way where we get there and then we're surprised like, oh, it actually is on fire. Uh, let me pay attention. But as far as just walking around daily, we're always in a constant lull, uh, Stet ready state where you just feel like you're amped up just a tiny bit all day, slow level. I don't know. I just started noticing in the past year or so. Uh, you know, and then it depends on your staffing and are you getting the day off tomorrow? Are you going to get mandatory? And that adds a whole nother level. I think that the staffing and not being able to go home, if you're experiencing that, kind of sucks because that's more stressful than just waiting for a call. And some of you listening to this now are like, I don't know what you're talking about as far as stress level of waiting for a call to come in. Maybe it's because you carry more weight as a company officer, but I don't think so. I think it has to do with everybody. Why do you think they say they try to change the programs for tones in the station to where they come on slowly in the middle of the night and it doesn't just blast super loud unless you have that system still scares the crap out of you because it blasts to the ticker and your heart's like, you're always, you're already in that constant state. So, I don't know. It just seems like you're trying to control the unknown, which you can't. So what type of call you're going to go on? You can't control that. So how do you depress the stress level, especially as a new company officer? How do you keep that under control? How do you keep... Now, as a new company officer, the constant state of readiness, stress, you're going to feel it. I'll tell you right now. And if you don't, you're not paying attention to what can happen. If you're just like, well, I got this shit. It's no problem. I'm wired. I got it. It's all good to go. I don't need to worry about anything. As a new captain, if you're already at that level, you're dangerous. You can be good and be a good fireman and be ready to promote and you've done all your work and you've done everything you can, but if you don't have a slight little, you're not even scared, concern, of what's coming your way until you get your feet under you the first few months, you're dangerous. You got to understand that. Yeah, you've practiced and you've practiced and you practice, but true experience and being on the true incident and being in the stuff right there, nothing can do that to you unless you've been acting forever and you've really put in the effort to act early on to getting promoted, which I suggest you do. You can curb that down a bit. Quite a bit, actually. But if you're the one who's like, oh, I'll just wait until I get the phone call and then I'll start acting, you're behind. So I don't want to go off on a tangent as far as how to do that because there's other episodes that I've talked about that. But it's just like a little bit of a reminder, especially if nobody has gone back and listened to that, getting yourself ready one. Um, so, all right. So when you actually make it home, this is where I'm going to kind of go with the work-life balance. I've had to really pay attention to a few things. Your days off are important. Treat them that way. If we come home, so it has been suggested to me, I have a short drive now, literally 15 minutes and I'm home. Most of my career, I had an hour to two hours sitting in traffic to get home, sometimes two and a half hours, just depending. I had time to kind of switch gears, listen to a podcast, disengage, 
Now I walk out the firehouse door, my car's barely warmed out, and I'm already home. And if we had a crappy night or I'm thinking about something still, I haven't had the time to decompress and to separate so that when I'm home, I'm not trying to be, you know, in charge basically, because I'm a captain, fine. It doesn't matter what rank you are, but you know, you're in charge of your rank. You're in charge. You know what I mean? Everybody's a leader at their own rank. Just you're trying to switch gears when you come home. So I remember as far as when I come home, I need to sit in my car for a couple minutes. If I've gotten there and I'm still kind of don't feel like I'm separated enough yet, I sit for a few minutes or two and just kind of deep breathe, chill everything out, try to put everything in perspective for the day and then come in the door. Because for those of you that have families, whether your wife works or doesn't or partner works or doesn't, the kids are at school when you get home or it's a weekend, you know, as soon as you come in the door where that is, especially Well, you know what? It doesn't change actually when you have a newborn, little kids, toddlers to teenagers, your partner or whoever it is when you have a family is kind of waiting for you to get there because they have a list for you to do, right? Or they just want to see you or they just want to break for themselves. So there's that constant balance. Now, if you're single, cool. Those days were easier. Like, where are we going for lunch with my buddies? What do we got going on today? Are we going to a concert? Are we going to this or that? That's that's easy. That's cool. And it's not as hard, I would say, now that I've gone, I've been down that road. It's a little more fun, obviously, but you can also have that fun on the family side. I just try to remember, like, I have this certain amount of time. And this is the constant state of readiness, too, that bleeds over. If you're off for 24 hours in between shifts, you feel like you're running against the clock. Like, I only got so much time before I have to go right back to work. So our tempers can be shorter, especially if you were working at a busy place or you had a rough night or a long night or you're up all night, right? You're, you're trying to just survive. I remember plenty of days when the kids were small, getting them off and having the 24 hours off between shifts before I had to go back the next morning. And I was working at busier houses then. And that was the day we were going to Disneyland because at the time when we had staffing a certain way, we didn't, our in-between shift day wasn't the day we were up for mandatory or recall or whatever your department calls it. So that was the day to squeeze in a big family trip, which would be down to Disneyland. Hour drive, hour to get in, all that other stuff, all day long around the park pushing a stroller and just trying to stay awake and trying not to be short-tempered. So my point of that is, Look at what you're doing based on a couple of things. Can you, it's a tough balance, so I don't want to talk out both sides of my mouth. You need the experience. Bottom line, you need experience. Whether you're staying a career firefighter, promoting to driver, engineer, captain, chief, fire chief, whatever it is, you have to have the experience. So I'm not going to tell you like bid to a slow spot and just cruise your whole life because you need to keep everybody happy at home. You basically need to suck it up and figure out what can I push myself to. You have to know your limitations and you have to understand when you can push yourself and when it's time to disengage a bit and change gears and where that fits in. That's an individual thing. I can't tell you what to do right here to where it's universal for everyone. That we could talk about personally. And I'll give you all my information at the end if you don't already know it. And I have no problem just kind of helping or talking through things or, you know what, just listening. Uh, I've I've actually fielded a few phone calls from people who just wanted to talk about something at their work. I give a couple little ideas and that's all they needed was just somebody to talk to outside of their circle. Somebody completely generic and, you know, they don't know me. I fielded calls from one end of the United States to the other and just talk to people. And sometimes it's just a vent session for them. And then I follow up with a text or a phone call later and, you know, we're just there for each other type atmosphere. So back to the days off time. Right now, I'm in the mode more of the kids are in school. Uh, My wife and I have been together for a long time. She's been through the times where I come home like a zombie. Uh, It's even been brought up again to where sometimes I get the itch of wanting to go back to a, a, a busy house. And she's like, well, do whatever you want to do. She doesn't have to tell me, like, just keep your shit together. She doesn't have to tell me that because we've been together long enough. I already know. If she's giving me the green light on her end to say, 
it's okay. Not that I need her permission, but obviously we want to, as a partnership, you know, I'm not one-sided like this is what I'm doing because that's what I want to do. Okay. But there has been times like where I'm at now, medium busy place. There's days where it's slow. There's days where it's busy. And there's definitely times where I'm like, ah, I need to go back to just being nuts and with my hair on fire running around. But then something happens and I'm like, okay, I think I'm where I need to be. I can't tell you what to do with that. What I can tell you is you need the experience. You have to, if you want to be a good company officer, you want to be good at your craft. You can't watch videos all day and pull hose and put out parking lots. And you can have these elaborate drills. That's cool. That's way better than just putting out parking lot things or watching something on TV or TV. On target solutions or whatever online training that the departments keep jamming down your throat and thinking you're actually learning something, you're getting the knowledge through the computer, but you're not getting the craft or the skill until you actually physically go out and do it. Whole nother thing, right? I'm not going to get in there, but you got to find that balance. But know when you're home, like I know, okay, I'm going home today. My wife's at work today, tomorrow. It sucks. There's times where our schedules are like two ships passing in the night especially with sports and everything else. But when it does line up, there's zero negotiation with you're home, I'm home. We haven't seen each other or talked about things as best as we can. Sushi, lunch, that's our thing. Insert whatever you do with your wife or significant other, or girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Whatever your thing is, make it a priority. And when I'm there, I really try not to talk about work at all. I just listen to what's going on. We try to plan out our week. Uh, stay in the moment. That has been huge for me to try to understand and it is very tough to do because we feel like we're constantly running against the clock and I'm always thinking about the next thing. It has taken me a very long time to learn to stay in the moment. It's a constant struggle. Some of you may be nodding your head right now going, yeah, I know what you mean. You're listening, but you're thinking about something else. You're trying to jam things in the one day that you have off. Here's a perfect example. How many times have you had your 24 hours off and the, say the sprinkler in the front yard is broken and it's been shooting up in the air for two days, three days because you're at work and stuff always happens when you're at work. What's the reality of how that's going to go down? Well, if you're like me, plumbing and Home Depot suck. It's a simple shit. This is this PVC pipe and a couple of things, but how come it always is? It, plumbing stuff for me, I have to take two trips to Home Depot. It's ridiculous. Now that I'm this far in life, I'm like, okay. I sit there and take even longer time in the aisle way trying to make sure I have everything and I still screw it up. It's reality. But how do I do that? Because how tough is it to f- try to f- do said project, but also go that morning and pick up everything you need, then try to get the project done and then it doesn't pan out. So can you adjust? I finally learned, okay, do I have to get up earlier? Home Depot and Lowe's, they open at six o'clock. Great. I'm there at six o'clock. The day before I go home, the day before I'm going at six o'clock in the morning on my way to work, because I have that luxury. Yeah, I know not all of you do, but I could fix it the other way. If there was a Home Depot or a Lowe's close to my station, even if I was an hour or two hours away, guess what I did? Got up early, got down there at six or 6.15 and shopped down there. Now, some of you are like, I don't know if I, certain areas I work in, I don't know if I do that. Well, Usually at that time in the morning, there's not too many knuckleheads out, but you never know. Nowadays, a little different. But anyways, it's kind of adjusting and getting all your stuff to help you to stay in the moment, but to also decrease your stress level of trying to fit it all in in the 24 hours you're off. If you can do a little bit ahead of time, cool. Now, if you're anticipating that you can get that done on duty, and if you're the company officer, I don't know that it's good practice to go, Hey, we need to go to Home Depot or Lowe's because I have a project I need to do tomorrow at home. Maybe, but I don't know. I try to avoid that because I don't want that to always be the norm at work with my crew as far as expectations, right? You're going to see me say things constantly about what's accepted and what behavior you allow. Now, if, if a person asks you to do that a couple times a year, maybe on your crew, hell yeah, you're going to bend over backwards and you're going to make that work. At some point, you got other stuff that need to be done. Okay. We're going to get to you thing that you need your personal thing done. No problem. We just got to do ABC and then we're going to take care of your stuff. I don't care if it's eight o'clock at night, you're still going to take your, your person to Home Depot or whatever it is just because the day got away from you. But if you can control your little sec, your little environment, 
That's one thing, right? And you're probably going, no kidding. I don't need to hear this from you. But sometimes, you know, I'm just trying to tell you some things that have worked for me that have helped me to decrease my stress level at home so that when I'm home, I'm engaged and not just constantly ramped up or in the red. And then things don't go right. So what did I learn over my camping trip? If you've been on camping trips where you have three days off because of work and you're just like racing constantly because campings are a thing, insert whatever it is that you do, you just feel like you're constantly on the clock, right? And nothing can go wrong because you only have a certain amount of time with your family. So when something breaks, you just get more into the red and more into the red. It sucks. I've had those trips, right? It's it's just terrible because you're always feeling like you're trying to make it work, make it work and try to enjoy the time. And then guess what? Right back to work. So you're constantly in the red even on those days off when you shouldn't be. So what did I do? I moved slower. Like literally, instead of just grabbing all the stuff out of the compartments and slamming down the chairs and setting up the barbecue and blah, 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 blah. I did all that, but I cruised a little more about half speed. Just walking so I can take the chairs out, set them down, set everything up nice, chill. You know, I know it sounds easy to do and it's not always that luxury, but actually just doing that helped my day stay in on point where I wasn't just feeling like I'm rushing around, rushing around and then pissed because the kids knock over their bike or do something that you react to that you're like, what the hell am I reacting to that for? It kind of just helps you to slow down, slow down, right? Listening to the most recent episode of the Fire You Carry podcast, which are two guys from my job uh, that do that, it's great. Go listen to Kevin and Noel. I'll link to their stuff in my episode, but they were talking about being on all the time at work. Like you ever watch the new firefighter or you, maybe you're that way and you just haul an ass as soon as the tones come on and throw your stuff on, throw your turnouts on. And you're like ramp, 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 ramped up the whole time. And then you watch the senior salt who isn't dragging their ass to ramp the call, but they're just kind of smooth and steady. And then they still beat you or they still get on the rig and just chill the whole time. That's pretty big. And as a, and to kind of move it towards the company officer side, you have to do that yourself on the in route to a fire or whatever, some kind of thing. Stay a fire. Smoke in the air, you're first in, and you're going to do your first size up, run everything. You better slow down, pump the brakes internally, deep breath. Think about what's going to happen. Granted, it only takes a few seconds, but you need to let off the throttle for a second. Get yourself chilled out and just do what you've trained yourself to do. But if you go screaming over to the rig, throw your stuff on, acting like nuts, it just really sets you up to have a hard time potentially. It just makes it a lot easier when you can just kind of pump the brakes for a second and then kick it out. Uh, Let's see. Uh, What am I at here? Oh, so another thing that helps me. Spending five minutes the night before to write out a list. I have my list for today. I wrote it out the night before, or I'll get up early an hour before my relief gets there at work to read a little and to write out my list for the day. And it is ultra simple. I don't care if it's literally take package to post office, uh, water the plants in the backyard. I have to write everything down and it becomes my task list. Now, if you write 10 things down and expect to get all 10 done, you're setting yourself up. But if I write five or six, some of those are pretty easy, but I still write them down. I have to do that. Helps me to stay organized, helps me to feel like I've accomplished something. And literally checking it off or drawing a line through it when you've done that is just one of those little small reward things. Like it's just one of those like, okay, I got that done. I got that done, that done. Same thing translates to work. We do our lineup sheet in the morning, talk to the crew, right? We've had lineup in the morning. I've talked about the kitchen table in a previous episode. <clears throat> it's a, there's a list. I don't care how simple it is of a task. I write it down that we need to accomplish today. It could be just clicking a box on an electronic form that just needs an e-signature from every member. I write it down. And then as it gets done, I cross out that line. Because if I don't get it done, I write it on my list for the next shift to make sure it gets done. So it helps translate and bleed over to the next day at home, spending the five minutes the night before to write things down or to do it that morning before I leave. Because if you go home aimlessly, I know we've all had maybe these days where you go home aimlessly and you're like, oh, I got to do this, this, and this. And then I forget to write it down. I forget the two of the things I was supposed to do. Then the next day I just get frustrated because I'm back to work and I was like, damn it, I didn't get that done. 
And next thing I know, it's a week later and things aren't getting done right. Now, it sounds perfect, right? It sounds like I'm so bitching that I can do all this. I screwed up constantly. But that's at least the framework I try to do. Um, is it perfect? No. Are there other ways to do it? You bet. And I would be interested to hear from you how you do things. And I'll give you all that information at the end and we can uh, figure out a way to connect and get these ideas passed on to each other and get it out to the, uh, to the masses here. Uh, let's see. Another thing that's helped me, my wife this morning, just this morning, when I talked to her on her way to work, two ships passing in the night on a Wednesday. I got to drop one kid off now that they're going to separate schools. She's going to work. She's dropping the other one off. Just worked out today, but we talked on the phone. She tells me, oh, have you heard Maui, the island of Maui in Hawaii, is burning? I'm like, no. I turned off all alerts on my phone. Now I'm trying this out. I don't know if this is good or bad. I've turned off the news alerts, Twitter alerts, news, Fox News, whatever the hell, Apple News, whatever that is on my phone, I turn it off. One, it's a distractor, and two, it just fires me up. Because you know, half the time, the stuff's lies, and it's made to fire you up. Whether I don't care what you believe or think, I'm not saying that, because 50% of the time, it's going to be something that's against what you think anyway. I kind of turned all that off, which at a point, I go, oh, it's kind of a detriment, because I wouldn't know that Maui's burning, but... I mean, that sucks for those people, yes. But there's disasters all over the world, all day, every day. I don't know everything that's going on, unless it's my immediate circle. Or I watch the news, local news for a little bit and just kind of get it, because all they do is repeat the same crap all day long anyway. So that, it's kind of helped. So my, my point is, is to try to take away some of the distractions you might have too as well. And the number one is our phones. Personally, that's what I think. All the Instagram account alerts, Facebook, news, whatever you're into that alerts you, it's just stuff that draws you to your phone. And whatever else things that you might have that's a distractor, but that seems to be the universal across the board one that just takes people's times away. Um, enough to where my both my kids have phones now. Now, whether you think that's a good idea or not, I, I get it. I, I fought against it for a while. The 12th, 12 year old, eh, just based on previous experience I've had, which I haven't talked about too much on this episode or podcast in general, I'm okay with it. But cool thing is with her school, yesterday was the first day. They had very strict rules they've talked about for weeks. Phones to be off and in your bag. It's not to be out. You're not to take pictures with your friends. They were hard about it. They had an expectation. 10 people got their phones confiscated yesterday. God, thank goodness. And this is a public school here in LA County. Good. They set the expectation and they did it. Stuff I've talked about too and stuff you already know works and you may be already employing. But that that seems to work, right? But that's a distraction to them. It's a disaster sometimes. So uh, that's, that's part of the expectation. I kind of lost track of what I was doing there. But anyways, <laughs> okay. What other thing did I put on here? Find a hobby. Find something that's going to allow you to de-stress, uh, whether it's mountain biking, working out, hiking, uh, doing a podcast, typing out your life or journaling, whatever it may be. Find some kind of hobby or something that like, whether it's reading. I mean, read, people go, reading's not a hobby. It's a, it's a task, whatever. But if it's a thing that works for you because you're ultra busy or it's just something that allows you to escape, cool. Find that and try to make it as regimented or regular as a routine as you can because that just helps you. It gives you something to look forward to and it helps to control some of this stress and then increases your work-life balance at home. Um, and the other thing, one of the last things I think I'm going to put on here is uh, be honest and ask for help. You know when you're not in a good place, whether you verbalize it to people or not and whether people pick up on it or not. And when you're saying little cues and people aren't picking up what you're putting down, sometimes you just have to go, well, that sucked. They're not picking up what I'm saying. Uh, I need to go find help. And whether that's professional, whether that's a friend that you just start talking to, whether it's some kook on the other end of a microphone who thinks he's important and puts out some stuff about the fire department, cool. I may not be able to tremendously be 
able to help you because I don't know all the intricacies of what you have going on. But if that is something that just a text message back and forth or a conversation helps or at least starts to, uh, I'm down. And know that that's, that's out there, right? I'm not going to go down the mental health realm right now because I'm saving that for the future on some other things that I want to do, which I'm going to talk about here shortly and wrap it up. But, you know, figure that out and know when you need help, you need to ask for it. How many times do we go on people that we go on constantly, they're alcoholics, drug addicts and everything. And you're, and after a while we throw our hands up and we're like, well, if they don't want to help themselves, well, screw it. Nothing we can do. And we tell family members that there's nothing we can do until they want to help themselves. Nothing you can do. Well, guess what? It's the same for you or me or anybody else who's struggling with stress or mental health, whatever you want to say, just life. Um, you know, all I can say is, is get in front of it as soon as you can. There's so many opportunities to get help and to talk to people, no matter what it is, a life coach, a professional psychologist, psych- psychiatrist, peer support at your work, uh, whatever it may be, just know there's different avenues and try different ones to see what works for you. All right. Uh, routine. Routine to me seems to be the biggest help. If you're all over the damn map because you don't have somewhat of a routine, like routine at work is the norm, right? We pretty much have the same exact routine daily, weekly, monthly, if not yearly, the structured skeleton of what we do. Now, daily, obviously the calls control what we go on and training and enthusiasm and crews and whatever project you have going on or whatever assignment you're assigned to in the fire service, that somewhat changes, obviously. But for the most part, our training components and things, the big overall overlaying picture is kind of the same throughout the year. But I'm also talking about your routine when you come home and what it's like at home and is there a structured routine? I've been very, very fortunate to have a wife who's very structured and has always been with our kids. And that helps. And we let them stray, of course, during the summer. They're up till 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. You know, they're off the reg- They're off the, the routine. But they get back to it pretty quickly because they know what the expectation is. And we kind of stick with the routine. I'm pretty sure most of us, have a routine, right? We kind of go to bed at the same time. We kind of do the same thing every day, kind of the same way. Hell, we even kind of dress the same, right? Typical fireman uniform, at least until the California in the summertime, shorts, flip-flops, t-shirt, or tank top. I'm just making a lighthearted joke about it, but we have a routine. We have uh, a pattern that sure seems to help. If you don't have that, maybe work towards that or maybe just tighten it up a little bit more. See if that helps you. Having a consistent routine that you work on is it. And I'm going to circle back. Look, I almost said a term that I always make fun of some chiefs were. I'm going to circle back on that. It's the flavor of the year, whatever term they're going to say this. uh, Yeah, anyways, I'm just, never mind, making myself laugh. All right, so, okay, so I struggle with this too, having a routine. Obviously, doing something like this, I suck at having a routine. I have not been fair to anybody who's listened to me or put the effort in to listen, uh, to care or comment. I I suck at it. So I've told myself when it comes to this, I've tried to get out of the funk of being in a pissed off, sad phase for the past year uh, to come out of it. I've gotten a lot of people asking for more of the content and connections, and I feel like I'm just keeping people at a distance. And trying to help and trying to be engaged, but like losing it. Like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to record one today. And then I get home and I go to do it and I lose it. And I think it's sometimes I think I'm an imposter syndrome, but I figured out a way that I'm going to make this work better. So here it is, routine. The routine for me for doing this is going to be writing it down on a calendar and making it happen. Target dates that you write down. You've already heard this before, but I'm going to say it anyway. When we write down target dates, what do we do? we actually pay attention to getting it done. When we just randomly say, yeah, I'm going to get to that, we never make a goal. So my attempt at a realistic goal is to put out a podcast every two weeks, probably Thursdays. It just seems to work for for us. Put out some Instagram content a little bit more, kind of on a regiment, and try to shoot for every two weeks to put out a podcast. I don't Weekly, I know it just isn't practical for me, 
But every two weeks, that gives me a target to make sure I get it done. So I have this episode, Work Life, 17. I have another episode already written, 18. And so here's my thing. I'm going to start doing the, the interviews. I kind of held back and used the technology end of it as an excuse and trying to figure it out, but I've been working on it a bunch. I'm actually working on a separate podcast completely away from the fire service with my brother, and we've been doing a bunch of stuff as far as recording in person with the soundboard, using certain software and programs and things, and been messing around with it a lot. So I kind of have it down. Is it going to sound great? I don't know. But my whole point is I'm looking for people to interview. I have a list. I have a list of people that I want to interview, people that have influenced my life, uh, have helped me a ton, all kinds of stuff. Like I have a list of people. And what I'm asking of you is, is to send me information of people that you think um, would be interesting to hear, whether that's you or somebody that works at your department, whatever it may be. You know, there's those big, heavy, heavy hitters out there in the fire service that eventually I'd like to work myself towards getting them on a show. And I'm not saying any of us are less important than the other, but we know what that means. You know, I'm nobody. Nobody knows me, but we know certain people right in the fire service that work at these departments that you're like, they've never met me. I don't know them, but I follow them and they're important. So names and suggestions, even if you're not even acquainted with acquaintance with them, just send me and go, what about this person? I listened to him on this podcast. I don't know anything about him, but here's their name. Cool. I'll take that. I'll take anybody that is in your circle. Uh, I'll take your name and I'm going to get to it, right? I'm not going to just dismiss people based on, oh, like you suck. You work at a one station department. That's not me. I don't do that. But I don't know what what's going to happen when I put this out there, how much content I'm going to get back or suggestions, or maybe I just get crickets. So bear with me. And I will do my best to communicate with you. But my routine plan is to have something out every two weeks. I have this episode, which I'm going to kick out. Then I have 18. If the interview thing hasn't quite taken off to where I'm staying on the regiment of two weeks because I still need to get people going, cool. I'll, I'll create an episode 19 of something like this. Uh, and it's not all going to be interview shows, but I guarantee that's probably more interesting, right? Like I put out this content, but you might as well come to the class that I do, which not to plug myself, but... If we're in this area, if you're in the Southern California area and you have something where you have people that are getting promoted or you as an individual are working to get promoted, let's talk. I have content that I can do and come out and we can basically, I've chunked down my class to operation stuff and leadership and a lot of the, even though it's called leadership, I would say just getting yourself ready. So getting yourself ready, leadership, operation stuff, which overall is kind of generic when we talk about how we accomplish tasks, but I will put in the effort to go towards how your department does things with the language and terms that you use. And we'll work through that. So I'm always offering that right now. I don't charge anybody because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Uh, If you're interested in a class like that, or if you're interested in coming to one of the classes when I do one, because right now we have our captains that are going to just took a written waiting for results and they got to do their stuff in an interview uh, as soon as the list comes out of who passed the written, I'm going to send out an email. So in the next few weeks, uh, I'm going to probably be looking to find a date to put a class on. So if you're interested and you're in Southern California area, hit me up and I'll let you know when it is. And it's just your time. So anyways, that's kind of been my plan with this. We're coming up on one hour right now. It was a way to get back into basically pulling my head out of my ass and getting back into it. I appreciate all the support, all the messages all the texts to ask how I'm doing to uh, suggestions and ideas. It's awesome. This community is great. And I think with me being more regimented on the two weeks, our little group that we're part of here and multiple other groups that we're all part of, it's just going to get better. So as far as how to get a hold of me, uh, I'll link everything in the show notes, but it's pretty much the same. If you listen to other episodes, you can turn it off now if you want, but here's everything. I have email which is the fire officer project all typed out the fire officer project at gmail.com. Instagram is the same, the fire officer project. That's Instagram. It's all, I have it on Facebook too, but I don't mess with that one as much. And then the website, www.thefireofficerproject.com. And it's, everything's on there. 
So my point is, is if you want to be on the show, know somebody, whatever, you can hit me up on all three of those platforms and hit me up. There is a request to be on the show uh, tab at the very top of the website. You can send me a direct message. You can email me. I see it all. Um, I'll eventually get to it and get back to you. Go from there. And that's all I have. Thank you very much for your time. Hit me up whenever you can. If you find this interesting or see something that I could, should have expanded on more, send me a message for that as well. All right. Remember, be safe and keep moving forward.